to mention this at the 8.30 service. Please be in prayer for the music ministry of the church. Um, as you know, Kirby, uh, Kirby's last Sunday was last Sunday because of her commitment to her school schedule. Uh, but please remember the music committee. They're working hard. A number of them have stepped forward to take leadership positions now in the adult choir and, and the praise and worship choir. So please, please pray for that. Uh, that God will continue to bless us and then lead us to um, the person he has prepared to be our music director. This morning, before I pray, I want to say just a couple of things. First of all, instead of reading Titus 2 and continuing in that passage of Scripture, uh, I want you to turn in your Bible. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 4. And, um, Melissa, I know that this is a surprise to you also. If you would, on the PowerPoint, if you would go to Genesis chapter 4. Please forgive me, mothers. This is going to be more about uh, the Christian home and the Christian family uh, than about mothers. So please forgive me. Uh, Last Sunday, as I ended the message, I made reference to, to Cain's killing his brother Abel and how that became a catastrophic moment in the history of mankind that Cain and his family began to go away from God and live away from God outside of God's will and in rebellion to him. And I think what happened back in Genesis 4 is still so very evident today. There is in our day, uh, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but there is a society that wants to live apart from God and in rebellion against God. And then there are those who name the name of Christ whose commission is to live for Jesus on a day-to-day basis and to shine his lights in a very dark world. And folks, this is the reality of the world that we live in. But ours is a high calling as Christian men and women, as Christian husbands and wives, as Christian parents and grandparents, and even as Christian young people, that we would serve the Lord Jesus Christ and we would follow him. And I know that I'm getting off of Titus 2. We'll get back to that next week where Paul kind of explains how we can have spiritually healthy families and spiritually healthy churches. Because I believe that history will bear this out, that as goes the family, so goes the nation, and as goes the family, so goes the church of Jesus Christ. It is important that our Lord be over our homes, our families, and our marriages. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, okay? Let's pray together. Lord, we invite you to lead us as we study this passage of Scripture and this event many centuries ago. And God, help us as your children and as your church that we would make the decision to follow you and to follow and be obedient to you, the guidelines that you give us for serving you and living for you and loving you. And God, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, we would not look at the weaknesses and sins of others and judge them, but Father, we would look at ourselves and we would see as families and as marriages and as homes that we would be committed to you. Father, please may this not be wasted time. Please, Lord Jesus, please speak this day through your word. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. 
Let me first of all read this passage of Scripture, um, Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. And again, let me mention something catastrophic happens in these moments. Verse 16, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city called and called the city the name after his son Enoch. Now, beginning in verse 18, I'm going to be trying to pronounce some of these Hebrew names, and I don't do real well with them. You know that, so just overlook that, okay? To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was made the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael the father of Methushael, and Methushael the father of Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the other, Zillah. Ada bore Jabal or Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have cattle. His brother's name his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who played the lyre and the harp. Silla bore Tubal Cain. He was a forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Naboth. Lameth said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, hearken to what I say. I love these Old Testament expressions. I'm going to tell, next time I get upset with Debbie, I'm going to say, woman, you better hearken to what I say, all right? <laughs> but folks, I'm saying that not to be funny, but he, he, is, he is boasting. He's kind of really puffed up, and listen to what he says. I have slain a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged seventy-fold, truly Lamech seventy-sevenfold. And then in verse 25, all of a sudden, Moses switches gear. And listen to what he says. And Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And look at this last sentence. At that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. What does this passage of Scripture have to do with us today? And secondly, why get so stirred up about living for Jesus in the home? Why get so stirred up about obeying God's instructions in his word for the Christian home? Well, folks, last Sunday as we began looking at Titus 2 and made reference back to Genesis 4, I did not at that moment fully understand what the writer was trying to tell us. Remember, the book of Genesis is the book of beginnings. It is the beginning of human history. And, folks, some things that we learned last week, that when God created Adam and Eve, when God created man and woman, Satan sought to lead Adam and Eve away from God as individuals. And then Satan also sought to destroy the first marriage. Now, you just think about this for just a minute. Last week I made reference to the fact that uh, after Eve was, was tempted and she, she disobeyed God and obeyed Satan and then she encouraged uh, Adam to do that, Adam begins to blame his wife. The first blame game began back there. But think also of the struggle they must have had, not only because they rebelled against God, but then their first two sons, Cain and Abel, and Cain 
kills his own brother. Can you imagine the stress that they suffered as a married couple? Satan wanted to destroy that first marriage. And then Satan sought to destroy the first family. Again, as God gave Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and Cain kills his own brother. Satan is at work seeking not only to destroy that first family, but seeking to destroy God's plan for the family and also for mankind. And folks, here's the message that that destruction is still going on today. Satan is still trying to destroy individuals and to destroy marriages and to destroy families. And here in Genesis 4, a great catastrophe happened. I know that I've said that at least three times now. But folks, look at this passage of Scripture. This is the beginning of the spread of godless civilization. And Melissa, if you will, if you'll go back to verse 16, let me point some things out, okay? And be patient. I told them at the 830 service, this sermon's either going to be a bomb or it's going to be a blast, okay? And I'm praying that God's going to speak to all of us. But in verse 16, and remember again the background of this in the first nine verses of chapter 4, listen to the sins of Cain. He and Abel, his brother, are going to worship God. But Cain's pride takes over, rather giving God something that he could not produce. Abel had brought a sheep, which was a sign that he was bringing something back to God that God had given to him. But Cain in his pride offers up something that he had, had grown himself as an expression of saying, God, look how successful and how good I have been. And when God honors Abel's offering better than Cain, Cain becomes angry and jealous, not only toward his brother, but toward God. And, and you and I hope we understand that two of the things that will destroy relationships in family, especially among siblings, is jealousy and anger. And Cain surrenders to his sin. God tells him in verse 7, and just let me read that, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching or couching at the door. It's desires for you, but you must master it. But you see, Cain surrendered to sin. And as a result of surrendering to sin, he killed his own brother, Abel. Now, I'm sure that there were a lot more things that Cain was angry with Abel about. But can you imagine? This is the first family, folks. This was not God's plan for them. But again, the human nature began to raise its head, and Cain surrendered to it. And Cain did not want to be accountable to God. So he followed his own desires, and he killed his own brother. Now, when you fast forward to verse 16, there's two very important things in that verse. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Not only did Cain kill his brother, but he refused to worship God. He refused to find mercy and grace. And you see, God was offering that mercy and grace, but he would not accept it. And so he goes away from the presence of God, and he enters into the land of Nod. And folks, a lot of this stuff I've just learned in the last couple of weeks. That, that land of Nod is not just a geographical note, but folks, there's something very symbolic about it. The Hebrew can also be translated, the word Nod, as land of wandering 
a restless wanderer. And folks, here Cain becomes the first fugitive from God. And in reality, you and I could say that this is a picture of the first prodigal son. And because of his rebellion against God, Cain led his family away from God. And folks, if we're living in the land of wandering, if we're fugitives from God, will not our children and descendants after us become wanderers and fugitives from God also? And folks, in verse 17, he knows his wife, and he has a son named Enoch. Now let me quickly point something out. Enoch in verse 17 is not the same Enoch as mentioned in Genesis 5:24, who is a child of Seth, or one of his descendants. The Enoch in chapter 5, verse 24, walked with God and was not, for God took him. The Enoch in Seth's line was a follower of God, and he was living such a holy life that he didn't die. God just took him on up to heaven to be with him. But folks, back to chapter 4. Enoch. Enoch was Cain's first son, and in his pride... That was demonstrated also in verse 3 with his offering from the fruit of the ground, his efforts of self-recognition. Now, not to honor God, but to honor himself, Cain built a city and named it after his son. And folks, then in verse 18, there, there are six generations that are mentioned past Cain. And again, folks, hang with me, and, and I hope and pray I'm sure I'll preach some boring sermons in my life. I've been told that on numerous occasions. But uh, are y'all still with me? Um, Don't say amen to that, okay? But you might think this is this is kind of silly and it's not important. But let me let me let me listen to this. Cain was a father of Enoch, and then the grandfather of Irad, and then the great grandfather of Mahujael, and then the great-great-grandfather of Methusael, and then the great-great-great-grandfather of Lenech. And you're saying, big deal. It is a big deal, folks, because Cain was not leading his family toward God, but away from God. And folks, that's something that we need to ask ourselves. Are we leading our families to God or away from God? And let me point out the results of their rebellion, Cain's rebellion, and passing that on to his family in verses 19 to 24. First of all, in verse 19, Lemek took two wives. He is the first bigamist or man who married more than one wife mentioned in the Bible. And, and folks, maybe in our world today or in other cultures, that would be fine and dandy. But according to the plan of God recorded in his word in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 to 24, Lemech was the first to reject God's ordained principle of having one wife. One man and one woman equaled marriage. And so Lemek has sinned and rejected God's plan. And folks, there's a progression here of this family of Cain continuing to drift away from God. But folks, there's also evidence that God, even in their sin and rebellion, God blessed the people of Enoch or the city of Enoch. 
And in today's terms, we would say they had a thriving economy in the city of Enoch. And again, maybe these details don't seem important, but let me point some things out. In verse 20, in verse 20, look at verse 20. Jabal was, the, or Jabal was the father of those who dwelled in tents and have cattle. And that means, folks, that they became very uh, good with agriculture. They became herdsmen. In verse 21, the, the descendants of Jubal became those who played the lyre and the pipe. In other words, there was culture, there was arts. And in verse 22, the sons or descendants of Tubal-Cain were forgers of all instruments of bronze and iron. That suggests that they manufactured farm implements, building tools, and personal weapons. And folks, listen to what Moses is telling us in writing this. The descendants of Cain lived in a city that was very successful in food production. It was rich in culture and also rich in industry. And you and I would say, that is a tremendous city. We'd like to live there. But folks, guess what was missing in the city of Enoch? God. They had left God out. Remember in verse 16, Cain had fled away from God and was a wanderer. God had blessed this city and these people so much, but they rejected him. And folks, listen to how Cain had influenced his descendants. Now again, go back to Cain, who is a great, 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 great grandfather. That's too many greats, I know. But of Lemek. Listen to what he says in verse 23 and 24. Now again, remember, Lemek, excuse me, Cain has killed his brother, but listen to what Lemek boasts to his wives about. Hear my voice, you wife of Lemek. Hearken to what I say. I have slain a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lemek, seven, seventy-sevenfold. Now, folks, what does this mean? How are we to interpret this? First of all, and some Bible scholars think it's been over a thousand years in these six generations. Remember, people back in that time lived longer than we live today. But folks, this story of Cain has been passed down from succeeding generations. And Lamech knew about his great-great-great-great-grandfather Cain had slain a man, his own brother. I want to ask you something. What do you remember about your grandfather? And I share this at 8.30. I'm, I'm just trying to be truthful. You know what I remember? The thing, when I think of my grandfather, Jack Brown, you know who I think about? Or what I think about? He loved to drink. And he loved to dip honeybee snuff. And it was a deadly combination, not for him, but for those who he tried to kiss. He had the loving liquor that he loved to drink. Now, I'm, I'm being serious, y'all. This is a memory. I can remember my grandfather being high and the snuff juice would be running down both corners of his mouth and my mother would say if if your granddaddy is drinking do not let him kiss on you and that's exactly what he wanted to do and i'm not trying to be ugly about my grandfather but in my mind that's what i remember most about him i remember when he died he had a stroke and died very quickly and very suddenly i remember he had no church background and we had to ask a preacher 
And, of course, that was before I knew the Lord. And, folks, what I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to put my grandfather down, but what will our grandchildren remember about us? Will they see that we were godly people? Will they see that we were people that tried to lead them in the right way and in the path of righteousness and the path toward Christ? Or will they see us as just being a part of the culture that we live in? Secondly, Lamech probably thought if God didn't punish my great-great-great-great-grandfather Cain, then I'm not worried about God and I'm not worried about any accountability to him. There's something else I'm wondering. Is Lamech saying if, if my grandfather was going to be punished sevenfold, then I'm going to be punished 77-fold because I'm ten times as bad as my granddaddy. Is that what he's trying to say? And folks, here's another thought. As we've studied the Word of God, especially when we've talked about the promise of Jesus coming to be the Redeemer, you know, one of the first prophecies, if not the first prophecy that Jesus would come as a Redeemer is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. After Adam and Eve sinned, this is before Cain and Abel are born, after Adam and Eve sinned, God promises a Redeemer to come through the seed of Eve. And listen to this, I will put enmity, he's talking to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Her seed shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And we know from the word of God that that is a promise of the coming of Jesus. But through Adam's descendants... His descendants would follow God and and God would use those descendants for the Messiah to come. But guess what? Here is Cain, the oldest of the children of Adam and Eve. Surely he would have been the one to be through. The seed would be given. The Redeemer would come. But guess what? Where is he at? He's in the land of Nod. He's run away from God. And the second child, he's killed that child. He's killed Abel. But folks, let me point something out. Regardless of the direction that the world takes, God's will will be accomplished. And God will always have a people who will love him, obey him, and serve him. And in a fallen world, God still works his plan of salvation. Warren Wiersbe writes, When the night is the darkest, the stars shine the brightest. When the outlook is grim, the uplook is encouraging. And I would remind you of Psalms 115, verse 3. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And the story doesn't stop here, folks. Look at verse 25 and 26. And again, as something catastrophic happened in verse 16, now something glorious is going to happen in verse 25 and 26. In contrast to the descendants of Cain, listen to what God does. God allowed Adam to know his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. And she said, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. And folks, that is a wonderful verse, but look especially at verse 26. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, I've read this verse before, and I always thought it meant that men began to pray. 
But I think it means much more than that. Let me read that to you out of the Living Bible. The Living Bible translates that sentence, it was during his lifetime that men first began to call themselves the Lord's people. And another Bible commentary says that a better translation of the phrase call upon the name of the Lord in the Hebrew, it means to proclaim the name of the Lord. And in essence, what we're told is that Seth's descendants began to tell the world about the God they were following. May I say that again? Seth's dependents began telling their world about the Lord and the God they were following. And you might say, well, that's really nice. Did it have any effect on history? Will it have any effect on history if you and I chose or choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as individuals, as a married couple, as a family. Well, folks, I didn't realize this. And this is why this passage of Scripture has become so wonderful to me. In Genesis chapter 5, the descendants of Adam are listed. Now, we've already talked about descendants of Cain. They went farther and farther away from God. But, folks, as the writer tells us about the descendants of Adam through Seth. Seth was a righteous man, and he caused his descendants to seek God and become followers of God. And again, a good example of that is in chapter 5, verse 24. Enoch walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Enoch was one of Seth's grandchildren. And he had seen in his grandfather a different life than Cain's children and grandchildren saw in him. And folks, let me care a little bit farther. Seth was not only the grandfather of Enoch, and, and again, it would be great greats, but guess who Noah was the descendant of? He was the descendant of Seth. In Genesis 6, 9, Noah is described in a, in a world that was full of wickedness. He is described as a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Abraham in Genesis 12, guess who was his forefather? Seth. Moses in the book of Exodus, guess who his forefather was? Yes, Seth. King David in the history of Israel, guess who his forefather was? It was Seth. And here is, here is the crowning achievement, not for Seth, but for what God was doing. In Luke chapter 3, verse 38, and this is going to be on the overhead, if you will put that up for us, Melissa. You know, nobody likes to read those long genealogies, do we? Matthew 1 gives the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph. But then... or through Abraham. And then in Luke chapter 3, Luke gives us the genealogy of Jesus through Adam. And look who is listed in Luke 3.38. Let me read that verse. The son of Enos, the son of who? Seth. The son of Adam, the son of God. Folks, can we make an impact on our world? Yes, we can. But will it be a godly influence, or wicked influence. And here's at least three lessons that I think that we can learn from this passage of Scripture and apply to our lives, to our marriage, and also to our families. What group 
are we as individuals, as families, as churches following? Are we following the wicked generation of Cain or the righteous generation of Seth? In question number two, what are we giving spiritually to our families? And folks, these are tough questions, I know. Are we giving our families, our children and grandchildren, a knowledge of God, a heart for God? Are we encouraging them to have lips that proclaim His mercy and His grace? like the descendants of Seth did. And thirdly, and thirdly, when you and I as parents and grandparents are dead, that's a bad thought, isn't it? But that day's going to come. What will our children and grandchildren remember about us? What will we pass on to them? Will we pass on to them the fire of following Jesus Christ or we pass on to them just any old way is okay? And will our world continue to be corrupt because we don't stand up for God and stand up for that which is right and holy? Folks, these are challenging times, but God's got a plan, and that is to use the family to draw the world back to Christ. And I pray that through my family and your family, we would allow him to do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, I I pray that we have had open ears and hearts to the word of God. God, all of us are sinners, so, Lord, we can identify with, with rebelling against you and so often going in the wrong direction. But God, I thank you for your mercy and grace. And I pray that as Joshua did in the Old Testament, we would make a commitment to you that we would not follow the gods that our fathers have followed or ways of wickedness, but we would choose this day that we and our families would serve you. God, we know that this is the hard path of life We know that to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it does require that we deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you. But God, please help us to do that. Help that when others see us, they would see Christ. Help that in this dark world, we would be the shining lights that will lead people back to you. And help us, Father, as a church family too, that we would do your will. God, forgive us when we've taken your work and your will so insincerely. Forgive us, Father, when we put off serving you, knowing that every day we put off, Lord, we've lost an opportunity to serve and worship you and witness for you. God, please give us new courage and new determination to truly be the people of God. In these moments ahead of decision, I pray, Father, that as you speak the hearts, we would respond, including my own. And God, again, we pray that we would not judge others, but we would love them and we would show them the love of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.